This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Amy Amanti is here with a review of the Netflix thriller I Came By, which stars George McKay. We'll get into George in just a moment. And of course, Amy is also the host of the AMI podcast, Accessing Art with Amy. Hey, good morning, Amy. How are you? Hey, good morning, Dave. I'm doing just fine. So let's jump right into this thriller, I Came By. Give me some insight into the premise of this film. Well, I'll give you the insight that I can give you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know there's is... there's probably some spoilers that like lay laden within this. So just give me the oh, thumb sketch. There are, yeah. So here's the thumb sketch for you, Dave. Uh, so Toby Neely is uh, kind of our lead character in this one. Um, and he's a politically minded 23-year-old, has a, a close friend. And the two of them together are graffiti artists. And they break into the houses of the upper class um, leaving these messages on their walls in graffiti. And the message is, I came by. Um, and so his latest target, Toby's latest target, is a retired judge by the name of Hector Blake. And Toby has this sneaking suspicious, sneaking suspicion rather, that um, despite seeming very politically and socially progressive in public, that this judge has something to hide and he's a bit of a hypocrite. Oh my, oh my, okay, all right. So Amy, let's talk about George McKay because on Friday when people told me, oh, she's going to review this movie with George McKay, I'm like, who the heck is George McKay? I don't care about George McKay. That's not a name I know. And then they said, don't you remember the movie 1917 that got all that Academy Award buzz a couple of years ago before the plague hit? Oh yeah, 1917, George McKay. So how was his performance in this film? Yeah, George McKay, you know, I think he did better in this film than he did in 1917, if I'm honest. Well, 1917 Uh, was mostly running. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was a very uh, active film in that that regard. Um, But we're not here to talk about that film. I think, you know, George McKay... um, Geez, how do I I say this without giving all this stuff away, Dave? I mean, you're asking me all these really tough questions this morning um he does a a very very uh, well he's a very well um rounded performer and you see that in this particular performance um I can't really say more than okay, that because okay. I'm be giving it away. You know what? We're going to stop reviewing thrillers in this segment because if you can't talk <laughs> about the movie, we can't review the movies. But I want to talk more about George McKay, maybe a little yeah. bit less about him specifically, but about that well-rounded versatility that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Because this is a young actor. I don't have his mm-hmm. IMDb page open right in front of me, but this is a young emerging actor. What yeah. does that say when you've got an actor that young who's that well-rounded? Oh, um, that they have a lot of raw talent that's mixed with a lot of um, training and coaching and opportunity. Those are that, that's that's like the the giant recipe. And what I will say too is is that um, you know, nineteen seventeen was a, a big blockbuster movie, but uh, he wasn't George McKay wasn't in a lot of stuff before nineteen seventeen. Uh, what that tells me is that there is space in our industry for emerging talent because oftentimes we hear things like 
oh, we can't cast this person because they're not a, a an A-lister and they won't drive the, you know, the people to the theaters. And uh, that is, for me, the biggest dis- excuse, especially when we talk about representation of disability, mm. because there aren't a lot of folks with disabilities that are A-listers and nobody wants to take a chance on an emerging artist. Here we're taking a chance, right? Does it feel like there's a really interesting crop of young actors who are starting to emerge, whether it be the George McKay's, whether it be the Tom Holland from Spider-Man, even Zendaya, who it's not just Spider-Man that's making her spark off right now. Does it feel like maybe we're at the precipice of a really great young group of actors who are who are getting more opportunities earlier in their career? Well, absolutely. And you have to be because, uh, you know, the 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 greats of the uh, the last generation are uh, are are priming out, right? Yeah. They're either aging out or they unfortunately pass away. The loss of Sean Connery, for example. So we have uh, these great actors that we've been following for decades, and we need to replenish that stock. And you need to drive younger generations to movies. You need to share representation of their stories and they need to be seen reflected on stages and, and film as well. Otherwise you're not going to, you're not going to groom the next crop of moviegoers. It feels just like yesterday when Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were the young and up and comers, the new guys. And now they're, they're, they're old. They're the old guys. Now we now need, uh, we now need more new actors to, to pop up. They're playing your grandpa. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh, What about some of the other performances in the film what did you think of them i thought they were all really great i remembered um kelly mcdonald is in this film and i don't know if anybody you might remember this train spotting kelly, kelly, kelly mcdonald that you mean the host of kelly and company on i know i you know what i thought exactly the Eastern same on thing. AMI audio our our very own kelly mcdonald is in this british crime thriller <laughs> unfortunately he is not uh, but kelly mcdonald was a young female uh up and coming emerging and i haven't seen her do much of anything oh my gosh the, the girlfriend from from train spotting yes the oh my gosh under girlfriend from train spotting this is so she plays the mother of toby in this and i was like yay really really so happy to see her um, I think she's been doing a lot of UK stuff, but this is, you know, this is UK stuff on a Netflix platform. So they're, it's, it's worldwide. Right. Um, so she did, she did a great job. And then best friend uh, played by Parcel Ascot. And of course the judge played by Hugh Bonneville, both really strong performances, which is needed in a crime thriller because you can't just be kind of wishy-washy and spit out lines. They have to be very intentional because the intention can change how we, uh, how we experience the the plot and how we experience the characters navigating the plot. Intention is very important. Mm. You mentioned there's a political component to this film, political thriller. What did you make of the messaging around that? I think, you know, a, a part of the container of this film is looking at privilege. Um, and so, you know, we talk a lot about the, uh, the, the white privilege. And so when we look at the, this judge who is uh, a retired, you know, judge, who's got lots of money, lots of privilege, lots of benefit of the doubt has a high status in the community. So we're looking at a couple of young folks that are trying to, um, I guess, go in and, 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 uh, combat privilege in a way. So that's really what they do is they break into the houses of these rich, privileged white people and tag them with graffiti. And then they come home and they're like, oh my gosh, somebody's broken in, but they leave no trace of a break-in. 
So they're very crafty in how they get in and out of your place. They do all of their research. Um, and it, I think it's in that research and in the process of breaking in where Toby starts to discover some other things that privileged people hide in their closets. Mm, I do love a good home invasion movie. The, those thrillers always tend to uh, hit a little bit different, hit a little bit harder. Amy, I think we're entering back into some dangerous territory here, talking about Babak Anvari, the director and co-writer. I'm getting mm-hmm. the impression there's a twist that we can't reveal, but has people buzzing. Yeah. So, of course, uh, they don't talk about the twist uh, in any of the literature. At least I didn't find it. Maybe it's out there somewhere. Um, but I do quite a bit of research to try and figure out what what I can share um, in, in my debrief of the synopsis, right? Like, what's in the trailer? What do they want us to know before we see the film? That tells me what my spoilers are. If it's in the trailer, I'll talk about it because it's obviously not a spoiler. Um, so, what uh, what the director is talking about in specifically and not in specifically at the same time is the roller coaster ride in which this film takes you on. And there is a, a twist that starts relatively early uh, and then continues to twist even tighter as you go through the uh, through the movie. And it, I will tell you, it's a twist that you would never possibly see coming okay. considering the container of this film. Okay. All right. Okay. I think, I think there's enough said right there to yeah. at least uh, tickle the taste buds of a potential viewer here. Amy, we've talked about this before, particularly yeah. in narrative thrillers. Audio description is critical in helping mm-hmm. a viewer understand what's relevant and what's nonsense, maybe sometimes to a fault, maybe sometimes Mm -hmm. to the point that the description almost gives away too much. How was the audio description in this one? Are you ready for this one, Dave? I'm ready. Are you ready? This is the best piece of audio description I have witnessed ever in watching television, ever. Um, The British, the British, the, 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 the describers in the UK are far more progressive than we are here in Canada and in the United States. Uh, and a lot of us who are advocating about changes in description are taking our leads from the UK um, because they've done a lot of research and study uh, with the disability community, but also in an academic form, you know, around diversity and all those kinds of things. Um, and this description is, it's beautiful. It's a bit like poetry without being like in your face poetry. But some of the things that I look for is good sentence structure. If we start a sentence with, he does this, he does that, he does this, he does that, he does this, he does that. I get bored really quickly. So, you know, the choice of verbs, uh, the sentence structure, the extra little tidbits that the little hand-holding stuff, because some visual concepts are really hard to imagine if you're just being told visually what they are and you have to put the pieces together yourself. Um, And some things can be summed up in a nice little sort of colloquial phrase. Um, so I actually thought that this was some of the best description. And actually, Steph and I from Vocal, I were talking about it because I recommended it. And she said, wow. Mm. And she's a she's an expert in description. Wow, was she blown away by description. So I say for the price of admission, listening to it with the description alone is worth the price of admission. I like the word you use there, colloquial, which sort of mm-hmm. is uh, in plain English, common speak, right? How people talk, yep. how they actually talk. Sometimes do we live in this overly formalized world where people in these roles are afraid of colloquial because, oh, no, what if they don't understand? 
Yeah, I think the the trap that some describers get themselves in is that they try and use, like verbs are your best friend, action words are your best friend, right? Like you can say the character walks or they strut or they gallop or they stride or they stomp, right? There's so many words other than walk, walk's a boring word. Mm. Um, so the, the choice of your verbs is really important, but sometimes you get stuck in trying to find the most unique word that it is a word that most people are like, I don't know what that means. It yeah. may sum up exactly yeah. what the movement is, but I don't know what that means. So we're trying to combine a bit of plain language so that most people uh, listening can understand it. And, and in this one, of course, because it's a British narrator and a British writer of description, you've got a couple of British terms in there. For example, I think one of them was, you know, we would call this an, uh, an overpass, you know, where you have a, 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 where you go under a street and the street is over top and it's kind of a tunnel. We would call that an overpass and they called it something like a, like a, a high arch or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't so different. That's a regional thing. Um, and you yeah. expect that, you know, it's like when you're watching Coronation Street and they talk about the boot and the bonnet of the car. <laughs> and, you know, in North America, we call it the trunk. The trunk, the, yeah. The wood, right? Amy, 20 seconds out of 10. Yeah. What do you rate it? I'm, I'm telling you just, it, it's not the greatest movie you'll ever see in your life, but... I'm, it, it's, it's, it's a 10 for me. I watched it a couple of times. I was wow. really interested. Okay. All right. Amy, yeah. thank you for this. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. That's Amy Manti with a review of the film I Came By, which you can find on Netflix. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.